Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 288. It's been a slow news cycle. We are scraping the barrel for everything that we find interesting within the NBA. While scraping the barrel, we forgot to mention the biggest news of the week. Jalen Brown signs the biggest deal in NBA history. Ronnie James has cardiac arrest. The FIBA floor lights up. Jimmy Buckets is charging $700 to play him one-on-one. And we are finally putting the Dame trade rumors to rest. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 288. We've been on a a little bit of a hiatus. I've been traveling a little bit. Had my sister's wedding in Denver, Drew, which we're going to talk about shortly. Yeah, man. Congrats Um, to her, by the way. That's awesome. Thank you. She listens to the the show. So, Nicole, congrats. It was a great day for us, man. Great day for the Clips family. I'll tell you that much. Right. Um, You know, if you thought last week was a slow media cycle. This week is completely dead. We were talking about the long good night, the final sleep. Like this has been uh, a a sleepy sleepy week. So on this episode, Drew and I are going to scrape the barrel, the bottom of the barrel of our favorite topics from the week in the NBA and and other things if Drew has it. We're going to I don't know what Drew's bringing up. He doesn't know what I'm bringing up, <laughs> but we're going to scrape the barrel and go back and forth. But before we scrape the barrel, Drew. There is one piece of news that that we have to bring up, and I want to put it to rest. After I don't want to mention Dame Lillard's name one more time until something happens with the trade stuff, because it seems like every day it's something new. It's the Miami Heat. It's it's Portland Trailblazers. It's Dame, and where's Dame going to go? But what happened this week with his agent Aaron Goodwin was finally the NBA sent out a letter to all 30 NBA teams trying to put this shit to bed. Like, look, players need to stop dictating exactly where they want to go. And they warned Aaron Goodwin, like you can't just tell teams that are calling and whatnot that Dame's only going to go to Miami. And I appreciate it. I like it. What's funny is Aaron Goodwin backtracked and said, oh, no, I didn't do that. And actually, Aaron, you did. It's on record. (laughs) You said, I'm taking calls. We're giving calls. But basically, I'm letting everybody know it's Miami, period. It's on record saying that. I'm glad Adam Silver in the NBA came out and told NBA uh, players and agents that they're not going to put up with this shit anymore. You know I'm a player movement guy. I'm I'm a player empowerment guy. But I'm also a contract guy. And I, I think, and I think you agree that no matter what team it is that has a superstar needs to get value in return. You just can't say I'm going to one team and whatever they can offer me, I'm going to take back. Um, 
Also, you know, I don't think Dame Lillard, like, does Dame want to be in the same conversation, Drew, as James Harden and as Ben Simmons? You want to be put in this same little bubble? Because I don't think Dame wants that to happen either. So I'm happy with the fact that the NBA came out and said it. Tampering's still going to be involved. Agents are still going to be doing backroom deals and taking other phone calls. And uh, for all intents and purposes, like, Dame is still going to try to get his way to Miami, but I'm glad that that the NBA came out and told agents and and players to stop doing this shit. Yeah, it feels a little weird that Dame is the one that triggers the response. Right. Uh mm-hmm. feels like this has happened several times in recent years. You just brought up a couple guys, but I mean, more recently than that, Kevin Durant, I feel like just did the same exact thing in pushing his way to Phoenix. Uh, and there was no, <laughs> didn't seem like the NBA wrote a memo on that. Maybe they did, and we didn't. It didn't get leaked, but I'm assuming that would get leaked either way. But he, they also got a did. haul though. Brooklyn got a got a nice little got nice pieces involved in that trade, right? And I, I you, you could make an argument that that Miami, along with the third team, could put together a similar package for Damian Lillard. I don't see it being that difficult for two teams, especially, to get this done. Uh, the Miami piece, as we mentioned in the past, that they don't have enough straight up, so there's got to be a third team involved. Um, but I don't think it's about the haul; it's about the demands, like you said, to go to one specific location. And I just I see this as always being a dumb decision. I understand leverage. I understand that you know you want to force your way to a specific location because you are asking for a trade, and you can't you know require that they trade you to the place that they want that that you want to go. So I understand the negotiation part of this, um, but it is it's finally time that the NBA has to come out and say this because it's just ruining the value of Damian Lillard for the, the the Portland Trailblazers. As we've outlined already, when you go and you say that I only want to go to one team, that one team doesn't feel like they need to give you as much potentially as if they were in, in a competition with other teams. But beyond that. It just it's completely unfair to the GM of the player, the Trailblazers and the Trailblazers organization cuts their legs out from underneath them. So it just surprises me, not that this is happening, not that the memo was released, that the timing of it and its relation to just Damian Lillard. It feels like Dame was being rewarded and patted on the back for years of not doing this. And then he finally comes out and like the rest of the superstars or at least half of them goes, all right, fine. I would like to request a trade. Everyone else is fucking requesting trades. I'll do it too. And where do you want to go, Dame? Well, I want to go to Miami. Whoa, whoa, dude. You can't say that. Can't say that. That's where you're crossing the line. It's like, well, is he crossing the line? I don't think so. I just think this is an accumulation of what has happened in the last five years. We'll just say the last five years. And unfortunately for Damian Lillard, it's happening now because he is the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, it should have it should have started with Harden in the fat suit showing up. Like, yo, you can't just do right. this to push your way out of organizations, you know? And and you know, we're sitting here waiting for Harden for the move for Harden too, and what's gonna happen there. But I think exactly what you said, the value is decreasing mm-hmm. every single day. And um, you know, I think that you're completely right. This should have happened with KD, should have ha- happened with Harden twice. Um, but I'm just glad that it's on record now, finally, that, you know, you guys can't, you cannot be doing this. They need to put an end to it, Drew. Cause if that's the end, if that's the case, then everybody's just going to be like, I want to be a Laker. I want to be a Nick. I want to be a Clipper and that's it. And I'm throwing Clippers in there just cause they're in the, in LA. 
And it's, it is sad that it's happening with Damian Lillard, like the, the most loyal dude in the NBA. And the one time he wants to, you know, choose a place that he wants to go, he's getting a lot of backlash for it. I'm more surprised that, are you surprised that Portland fans aren't more upset at Dame? Or do you think that they, you know, he gave us 11 years, he gave us everything he had, and he should be able to go elsewhere? How come yeah. uh, Portland fans aren't like, you know, pissed off that it's only going to be Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson or Jaime or whoever the hell it is that they get in return. It's still not going to be enough. Well, I think the ones that are not like pissed off about it are the realistic fans about the situation that the Trailblazers find themselves in where they're just not good enough. And they continually, you know, have over the last really 10 years tried to figure out the puzzle pieces that can fit up there with Dame and CJ and then they let CJ go finally and then with Dame they've been trying and you know outside of that one injury you know really injury plagued year that Damian Lillard had I think he's been performing quite well and he had the best statistical season of his career last year something we are I've already discussed and brought up on this podcast but still I think the play the Trailblazers fans that are not pissed off are the ones that go dude I mean go ahead what go somewhere go somewhere go ahead and try and win a ring i mean i saw something uh that a fan posted like saying that this could be the lebron james treatment for dame go to miami for three or four years win a ring come back to portland and finish your career that way i could totally see that happening and i do think the fan base uh you know has a huge amount of love for damian lillard now i will say i'm sure that there's a not just a small percentage but a large percentage of fans that are pissed about the fact that damian wants to leave after all of the times that he said over and over again that he wants to stay here, you know, it does feel like he's maybe going back and forth on his word a little bit there to those people. Uh, and also, I think people would be pissed anytime you're losing your best player in any era, regardless of how many years he's been on your team. You're going to be a little upset about that, right? Uh, but, you know, the optimists will say, let's look to the future. It's not happening with Dame. Let's let's go and get as much as we can from him. So the where the where the fans may end up getting pissed off and may have you know, already begun to get a little bit more angry at this process is the refusal for Dame to open this up to more more teams than just Miami, right? That's got to affect the way that they feel about him the longer this drags on. And especially if it does go through and they don't get a great return and they just give him a favor, I think a lot of those fans are going to be pissed about how it all goes down. But they will always, of course, have love for Damian Lillard. I mean, shit, the, the Portland fans still love bill walton and dude played there you know 30 fucking years ago 40 years ago uh and only played there for a handful of seasons they still love that guy and and got him and a chip they though. should as they should of course he was incredible and i just think that's also going to be the case for dame he's you know he's forever one of their best players if not the best player that's ever come through there so i think they'll appreciate that so I'm hoping that we could put this to rest for like the rest of the summer until something happens. I don't want to mention Damian Lillard and trade spots anymore. You and I have beat it, beat it to death. So are you, are we, are we fair with ending the Damian Lillard talk? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I think, you know, we'll just reiterate both you and I have said, but that we think this won't be short lived. I still feel very much that way. Uh, Portland and mostly Miami need to figure out the trade partner for the, to make this happen. If it's Brooklyn, great. If it's San Antonio or Houston or Orlando, I mean, there's a bunch of teams, Charlotte that have assets that could complete a package that would make a lot of sense for Portland. Uh, but it's just not going to get done 
uh, straight up with between those two franchises. So until they get serious about that shit, expect Dame to stay in Portland. All right, let's scrape the barrel, Drew. We both we both got our best bottom of the barrel stuff from the past week, week and a half. I want you to start, man. Where do you want to start? First up on the barrel scrape news section of today's podcast. <laughs> uh, I'll go with this one first. We do have the FIBA World Cup coming up here. Uh, I, I feel like it's around the corner. It's got to be in the next few days, uh, which is very exciting. We have a huge, uh, hugely uh, inexperienced team going out there, very young guys. But one of the guys is Anthony Edwards, uh, a guy that we know uh, is absolutely one of the rising stars of the NBA. He's going to be I think an all-star perennially moving forward. I have a feeling that it's going to start, you know, already this year and next and moving on. He's going to be one of these guys we're talking about best players in the NBA for quite some time. If he stays on this trajectory, he happens to be a part of this, this, uh, this team. And I'm looking forward to it because Austin Reeves is also on it. So I'll be checking this out. Plus there's no fucking basketball on right now, other than the TBT tournament, which is really difficult to watch at times. It's just, wasn't there a huge comeback in the game? There was like the biggest comeback ever. No idea. I think no, the championship's either. coming up, or it may have already happened. But I, I, I was tuning out, man. The, the the quality of the ball of the basketball, I was it was it was a struggle for me, bro. I couldn't. Let's put things in perspective, really fast, Drew. Like you and I were watching Slam Ball the other night at my yeah. house. Just to oh, let yeah. you know, Everybody. oh for sure, we were watching that, and that had and that was a terrible game that we watched. That one was like a thirty point blowout, and still I think had better qualities than the TBT tournament games that I've been watching. Uh, but I applaud the effort and I think it's a great tournament and I'm, you know, you can tell those guys are definitely playing hard, but I think sometimes that gets in the way of good basketball, uh, occasionally when you see the desperation on these guys, but anyway, moving to back to the pro side of thing, the guys that are going to go hopefully win this world cup for the United States, but it's going to be an uphill battle. I don't think we're favored, but maybe we are favored. Anthony Edwards, the whole point of this fucking thing. And the reason I brought it up is he's changing his number. And this ties into one other thing that I'll bring up before I pass it back to you to scrape the barrel with the spoon or whatever we got going on here for scraping. Uh, he goes to change his number from number one to number five, gives an interview about it, says he wants to be a completely different player, completely better, more evolved basketball player. And I think that shows you know, some maturity. I think that shows a willingness to you know, maybe shed the skin of the younger man, become your you know fully grown, grown up man. And we we all know he's quite young and... Uh, but I do think he's in that, you know, that transitionary period now where he's a veteran. He can he can start calling himself a vet in the NBA pretty soon, if not already. Uh, and I expect him to take another leap this year, Clips. So I'm looking out for that. Uh, before I move on to the second piece of this, any thoughts on the number change and just the mentality of Ann Edwards? I expect him to lead this Team USA in scoring, for instance, uh, during this FIBA World Cup. Yeah, I I love it, first of all, because the one thing we questioned when he was coming into the NBA was his maturity, was his shot selection. Could he be the leader of an NBA team? We did a podcast this season called Who's the Man? We didn't know who's the man on this Minnesota team. Is it Cat? Is it Go Gobert who, you know, took the huge haul to get Gobert there? Or is it Ant Edwards? And you and I both decided that it's probably going to be Ant Edwards. And maybe this is Ant you know, coming to his senses, you got a couple years under your belt. You realize that you are one of the best players in the NBA. And in order for the Minnesota Timberwolves to become a contender, he's going to have to be the best player on the floor. Yeah. Now, can they figure out how to coexist? How like he does have really good 
a really good team around him. Like you can build around Cat and a Gobert if you do this shit right, and the Nas Reeds and the uh, McDaniels and all those guys. Like you can really make this work, but you have to sacrifice. You know, maybe your 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 thirty points a game you'd love to have in order for you to be the leader of the team. Maybe it's 25 and seven and six for him to be mm. the leader of that team. So I love it. And if the question was his maturity coming into the NBA, we had that discussion with Matt Babcock draft analysis on his way into the NBA, that that was the one question of him. And yes, he's funny. He makes funny jokes. You can see that childish side of him and whatnot, but these are the kind of things. And we've seen a lot of players, whether it was, whether it was, uh, foreign players playing in the Olympics or these FIBA games where these players really mature into different kinds of basketball players. They see the importance of team. Yeah. They see how other countries play. And I think playing against these other countries, maybe Ant Edwards will, will be like the Kobe and the Mike who really take a lot of experiences playing these other teams that, and bring more value in, uh, you know, a different parts of his game in this next coming season. So I'm all for that. And shedding that, that number, that means a lot to players. You mm. know, you come in, that's your rookie number. You're switching it up. You know, I'm a sucker for fives. So I love five. <laughs> um, so I'm all for it, man. I, I think yeah. the sky's the limit for Ann Edwards. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, this will, this will show out on the defensive end too, kind of to, to your point, it won't necessarily mean that he's going to lead the league in scoring. And that's like the change that we're looking at. We know that he's possible and, we know it's possible and that he's capable of leading the league in scoring. It's more about like, can you stay locked in? That's the mm -hmm. maturity I think that we all want to see, right? Cause he can, as, as young guys do, they can kind of uh, go in and out of games, right? Their focus mm -hmm. level, you know, is, is uh, changing at times. And I think having that rock steady focus level throughout an entire game comes with maturity, comes with, you know, the desire to be a winning player uh, and to stay locked in and try to affect the game on every single play as best as you can. Uh, so I'll, I'll be looking at that because I do think what we've seen of him defensively, just talking about Ian Edwards on defense here, is a lot of promise. I mean, he's super athletic, super strong and all that good stuff. So he has all the physical tools to play defense. Now we'll see if he takes that to the next level and starts implementing that as opposed to just like randomly over the course of the game throughout the game. But this does bring me to my next piece. Do you have something else to say there? Uh, one more one more thing. Excuse me as my voice cracks. <clears throat> You know, we, we were talking about maturity with Ann Edwards. And when you look at the three best players on that team, the three most important players on that team, I, I go back to, I don't think Cat is the most mature guy in the room there. I think I go back to COVID and Rudy Gobert with those mistakes that he made, big time immaturity. And I'm pretty sure that Ann Edwards has heard that his maturity is an issue too. If he can be, first of all, he shouldn't be the most mature person and in the room given his age and whatnot right. but once you take that next step and you realize that man in order for us to be great i have to be the man i have to be the guy um that's setting the example for the team uh that's pretty big so uh, i'm all for it drew so the the i kind of used ant edwards as a as a cloak for the dagger that i'm bringing up here which is lebron james is also changing his number there's a couple other Again. guys that are changing their number but lebron's going back to a familiar number for him number 23 changing it back from number six. Uh, when asked why he's making the change, it was to honor the late great Bill Russell was the reason. Even though he wore it the year after he died, they said he wore number six last year in honor of Russell, and now he will no longer wear it because as the NBA did go ahead and retire 
number six for the entire NBA. You no longer can wear that unless you were already wearing that number prior to the retirement of it. So LeBron goes back to number 23, familiar number there. Uh, look, as much as they want to say that this is for Bill Russell and, and honoring him, and and I can appreciate and value that that there is an aspect to the number change for that. I do think there's a deeper thing here. Conspiracy theory, Drew. Uh, I'm not alone in this. I do think there's a lot of Lakers fans that have been like kind of maybe looking out the side of their eyes, thinking down the road the way that LeBron likes to think. And going like, why did he initially change his number from 23 to 6 anyway? Why did he go back to that? 6 was Miami. He was always 23 in Cleveland. Why go from 23 to 6 in Lakerland? And then now from 6 to 23. And and Conspiracy Theory Drew is saying to myself, especially after hearing Jeannie Buss's comments on LeBron James saying that his jersey will absolutely be in the rafters at Staples or whatever the fuck name it's going to be called now because cryptos went bankrupt or whatever. Cryptos no longer happening. Bang Bros Arena, man. Yeah. So um, anyway, after hearing those comments about Jeannie saying that LeBron's jersey will definitely be retired, I am thinking LeBron changed his number back because he wants two jerseys retired in the Lakers rafters the way that Kobe Bryant was honored. And that that really rubs me the wrong way because, uh, number one, Kobe's a sacred guy for all of Laker fandom, and nobody should get that sort of treatment other than Kobe Bryant, who had virtually two careers with two numbers, which is why it makes sense that we had 8 and 24 both retired. He wore them for almost exactly the same amount of seasons, divided equally between them. Um, and I'm really hoping that I'm wrong here, Clips. But what do you think? Do you think LeBron would do something like this to uh, be right next to Kobe and have both numbers retired in a t- for a team that he's only been a part of for a handful of years? Yeah, I mean, for, for Kobe, that's two numbers played with one organization over a span of 20 years. And it's freaking Kobe Bryant. So who is, you know, like you said, just uh, he's a god in Lakerland. He, if anybody gets two jerseys, it's Kobe. Of course... LeBron, it's it's not crazy to think that LeBron might want that, but there's no way in hell he's getting two jerseys in Staples or wherever you want to call it. And it, in all honesty, Drew, 23 is the number after six that should never be worn again by anybody. 23 is MJ. Like, you don't think of 23 and think think of LeBron, do you ever think no, of LeBron? No, I'm pretty sure that's why he changed his number to six to begin with. Okay, there should also be a rule. You get one number change. Like in your career, okay. But what about the what about the, the the problem when you get traded to a team and the guys that's, got your number? That's different. Okay. okay, you can't just go. You just can't keep picking different numbers. So do I put it? You can't. You it's don't bullshit. want people to change their number. This that, isn't an anti-change number thing for me. This is just a very specific four, LeBron. You can't change it four change. times, Drew. Like pick a pick a number for so Christ's Dennis sake. Dennis Rodman, you, you're slapping Dennis Rodman down. You're saying no, it's ten. Uh, or it's 73, but you gotta, we can't, there's no more requests for when is it gonna stop? That's all I want to know. Get off my long (laughs) clips. When is it gonna stop? Look, do do I think uh, that there might be a part of LeBron that wants two jerseys retired in Staples? Sure, I don't think it's ever gonna happen. Now, the funny thing is, LeBron's jersey should probably be in three different arenas it's 100 statue and jersey in Cleveland. 
jersey in Miami and most likely a jersey because the late do I think he deserves a jersey hanging in the rafters probably not but Lakers love to see the stars in the rafters and having a LeBron jersey in the rafters would be you know would look perfect on on par for what the Lakers do Uh, and I remember you having this conversation with my other Laker uh, neighbor Paulie the other night here about that and you huh I said, shout out to Paulie. Shout out to Paulie. This guy, that's my guy. Um, but no, I don't. I that should not happen. It will not happen. Uh, he, you get one jersey, bro. Pick it. Yeah. Pick it quickly. But are you with me on the fact that you think twenty three should be retired too? Like nobody should rock the twenty three. Yeah, I mean, I almost it. It to me, it, it kind of is like it's more Mike. iconic than six definitely more iconic than six and and for mike specifically everyone knows 23 is his so they don't need to retire it i mean because it like you said we you see 23 on lebron you think oh that's mike's number Mm -hmm. right so i don't know if they will they probably will if mike you know if mike passes away or something like or when that happens you know they waited until bill was all the way gone before they retired six so maybe they do something like that down the line but I actually don't. I mean, if I was Mike, I'm like, hell yeah, everyone keep wearing my number because it keeps me alive, right? It right. keeps my whole myth alive. It's like, why are you wearing 23? Oh, that's Michael Jordan. And and even now, I'm sure some kids wear 23 not for Mike, but but for LeBron, right? He's mm-hmm. done. He's been in the league for 20 years, and I'm sure his number is also important to you know the 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 youth and the and the people that are choosing numbers still for themselves at whatever age. But it is always going to be Mike, and I don't know if we need to retire it. Um, but I do think perhaps maybe when LeBron retires, they'll absolutely retire 23 and they'll go like together. <laughs> Mike no, and no, no, no. Mike won't let that happen. He shouldn't because that would be LeBron riding coattails once again here. But anyway, look, I'm with you. Cleveland, whatever fucking number you want to put up, whatever statue you want to put up, it's all him. That's totally fine. Miami, he was only there for four years. That feels weird. Uh, but I get it. They're going to retire his jersey. It, that's a short period of time, but he did a lot in that period of time. Uh, and then the Lakers, man, look, I don't think he's done enough to earn to be on the Lakers list. Like he's a Hall of Famer. There's no, there's no questions about that. But it, 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 there's a really big threshold that you have to cross, at least in my mind, uh, in order to have the honor bestowed upon you to be hanging in the rafters with the legends that are up there. Now, I do think Jeannie Buss may have did something, may have done something very smart in in favor of LeBron jersey retirement by making sure that Pau Gasol's jersey got up there. Uh, I think you look at Pau's career with the Lakers, it wasn't that long, but it was super impactful. And it was, you know, the greatest era, the greatest years of the 2010s. Um, so with Pau's jersey being up and there, you, you almost have to put LeBron's jersey up now. Yeah. Uh, so I do think, especially if LeBron wins us another ring, it'll feel a lot better uh, going up. But they better not give him the, the double number treatment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protest that shit, bro, for sure. They won't do that. And you know what? It's crazy is LeBron should have always been number one coming into the NBA. Like you're the number the one chosen pick. one the tattoo chosen on one. his back. Yeah. yeah. You should have always been number one. That's what I would have done. Stop trying to ride MJ's coat. You know, the longer we do this podcast, it sounds like I'm I'm supposed to be one of the biggest LeBron lovers <laughs> ever. And now it's starting to turn on me so much. But no, he does not deserve two numbers hanging in the rafters. I'm going to scrape the barrel kind of going off the piggyback of what you did about FIBA. 
All right. All right. And cool. I want your opinion. I want you. Are you are you in for this or are you out of this? It's the uh, during the the FIBA, the women's, I think it was 19 and under FIBA unveiled their um, LED floor, the basketball oh, floor, with the LED. man. And I think, I'm all, I think I would throw up all over the floor. It will. I mean, they have to pick and choose and what graphics they're going to do. because yeah. The shit looks really confusing. I think it looks fall over. It looked awesome during the free throws that we saw. And I really think they're trying this out because of the in-season tournament. Remember how we said that there's probably going to be looking different. There's going to be some different shit going on. Maybe all-star weekend, all-star break. They might do some stuff with the LED floor. Like maybe you can do the dunk contest, three-point contest, or like, you know, having replays on that floor so people up top can see what, like, I, I like it. I like the way we're going. Look, the year is 2023, man. We we thought we were going to have flying cars by right now. Why not have LED basketball courts that look really cool? You just can't, you just have to be able, you know, to make sure it's not in the vision of the players that things ads aren't running while they're trying to run plays or while they're trying to shoot a three-pointer and maybe their feet don't add up right. But I'm all for it, Drew. I like it. I want to see it implemented uh in an NBA game or in an NBA scrimmage like the uh the the tournament that we're going to have coming up here in uh December. Oh yeah, I th- I think it's super cool. I mean, we've been going on this journey of like the different visuals on basketball floors for quite some time. You remember when they first unveiled that shit like the projection shit on top of the uh where they would they would move mm-hmm. the camera and give like a, a downward above view of the of the court and then they put that animation layer on top of it, it looked like the court was cracking or like a fucking dragon would pop through the court or some shit like that that was awesome when that was happening and that's just you know like the visual effects stuff the raptors did that 3d stuff on the baseline that looked really cool exactly yeah Mm -hmm. and so that that's been a lot of fun and and the evolution of that's been incredible watching that shit i mean the ones that blow me away is in nhl because they have that white you know they can do it on the white ice and it Mm -hmm. it looks insane Mm -hmm. uh in the nhl arenas uh but uh, this LED thing, this can't happen for regular season stuff. This can't happen. This cannot be in play for regular games. But what you're talking about, All Star Game, uh, the the in season tournament shit, like in Vegas, fucking go ahead and do it. Uh, but for regular season, it, it just it too many things can go wrong. Someone can hack that shit. Fucking put porn on it or something like that in the middle That's of the game. You don't want that happen in the middle of an NBA game. You can't have that. Uh, and also, I like I, I was joking in the beginning about like falling over. But if there is like, a, you know, if the shit is like changing while you're running or while you're dribbling a ball or something, mm-hmm. I could definitely see people getting motion sick and then also just falling over being like, what is happening? So just players throwing think- up left and right yeah. on the court in the middle of a free throw. <laughs> It would be so funny. I mean, that's like that's like some Will Ferrell shit, like in, oh. in semi-pro. If they did a, a remake of semi-pro and they did the G League remake of that and they had this floor out there and then the whole 10 guys are just puking nonstop because they can't get over the fact that the floor keeps changing. It's cool technology. Uh, as long as it moves or changes when there is no play happening, I'm all for it. Uh, and I think they can do some fun shit with it like you talked about. But this is completely too expensive uh, and for like very little gain for the NBA to actually implement in games that matter. Well, if you think about it from the NBA's perspective too, it's also the biggest billboard you're going to have. Advertising space on that thing will be extremely lucrative. You know, the TNT logo, the ESPN logo on there. I think it's going to be highly valuable, and I think they're going to. I think they're going to try it out. Uh, you know, a few ways. 
But I think that's where we're going, Drew. It's going to happen at some point, whether it's the year 2040, 2045, this stuff is going to happen. That's where we're going with tech. And if they can make it for a way where the players can still play while ads are being run and they can't, you know, maybe it's the way the floor is set up and they can't see what's going on. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe that's the direction they're going to go. But I thought it was really cool, especially on the free throw. It looked really dope. So I'm yeah. all for it. I want to see it implemented again. Scrape the barrel for me, Drew. What do you got next? All right. Let's see here. Uh, all right. So this is a fun one that I was puzzling over uh, probably a week or two ago. I was just sitting there thinking, I had, back when I had no internet up in Lake Tahoe, I'm like, what What? What can we talk about? You know, there's nothing <laughs> happening. Uh, and then lightning strikes and i had this crazy thought about a trade for Ooh. your clippers oh god i want to i want to throw this at you and i want to see this is not a very realistic thing i mean it, it's a possible thing it's but it's nothing that's been brought up it's just something i conjured so clips the warriors give you a call you're the gm of the clippers right now warriors give you a call and they say uh we want Kawhi leonard or we want paul george one of them. We want one of those guys. Right now, we have this old team. We want an extra thing on somebody else to help out on the wings. We want one of those guys. And we're going to give you Clay Thompson. And we're going to give you Kaminga. What do you say? Who would you prefer to trade in that? Or do you do you, do you say no all the way around? Do I have to give an answer? Is this what you want? A definitive answer? Oh, it, we're just this is we're playing we're playing in fantasy land here. We got we got nothing going on here. There's no stakes on this. I'm just it's a it's a it's a whirlwind question because Clay no. Thompson's going to be a free agent mm -hmm. soon, uh, and they're going to have to figure out what the fuck to do with him, just like they did with Draymond. Uh, but I do think that there's a chance that they may move him. I, I think it's less likely now with the Draymond resigning that it's more likely that they're going to try and keep him. But if I'm the Warriors and I'm looking around, I go, man, maybe I could snag. Paul George right now to play with Chris Paul and Steph and Draymond. And I think we go win another championship with this group that we just paid all this money for. Uh, so from their perspective, I can understand why they would do that. But I don't know if you would. No, first of all, that's not enough for either one of them, in my opinion. I don't know what the trade value is for Kawhi Leonard right now or for Paul George. Um, it's not enough. I would need more meat on the bone to even consider that. And also, I'm not trading one of my guys, Kawhi or PG, to somebody in my division that's going to help them win a championship and beat <laughs> us. Because again, the last thing we want, the last thing Clipper fans want, man, is if we trade one of these guys away and Kawhi goes and does a Toronto Kawhi or PG goes back to, to Indianapolis PG and he's dropping 35 a game. So yeah. no, he wasn't dropping 35 a game, but you know what I'm talking <laughs> about here. We don't want to see that happen. And again, Drew, we've talked to, I, we're in it too deep, man. We have to, we have to give this shit one more shot. We have to. I'm not trading to another team in my division. Um, I, I, I still feel, even though they're not talking about us, and even though the, the Clippers have already been written off, and I understand why. I mean, we didn't do anything in this offseason besides KJ Martin and re-signing Russ and Plumlee, which I like, but I didn't see the aggressiveness. I didn't see us going out and getting other pieces. I don't. I, Marcus Morris is still on the team. Amir Coffey just got caught with a strap in L.A. You know, <laughs> like, what are we doing? These little things bug me, right? 
But I'm also seeing Bones Highland and PG putting in a lot of work in the offseason, right? I'm seeing that happen. And again, the offseason, like we said on the last show, is where you build chemistry with your teammates. You work out with them. You vacation. You, you know, start dialogues. You have dinners together. This is what creates team chemistry. And, you know, Terrence Mann was on uh, PG's podcast the other day, and they had a lot of great things to say about Kawhi. Like, yo, this guy's the best locker room guy. He's hilarious. Like you guys would would, funny. Yeah. Real funny. Like this guy's real funny. He told the air ball story. Did you listen to that full story about the air balls? That was great. I love it. I just, no, I'm not trading either one of them right now. And that might, might be stubborn. It might be biased and whatnot, but there's way too much money involved here. Let me just throw a little bit of a wrench and, Mm -hmm. or maybe uh, I'll just, uh, a follow-up question here is important because the reason that this trade in particular is so interesting is that Paul George and Kawhi are both potentially free agents next year. They both have a player option at the end of the season. It's for $48 million. So you accept that you, you may expect them to uh, opt in both of them for that. Uh, but it is maybe the, the more appropriate follow-up question based on your response to the trade option is, are you going to resign these guys after this year? I think, like the Clippers said, they're going to be taking their time with it, really evaluate, I think, uh, where Kawhi is with this knee. I mean, he had off-season surgery once again. He'll be ready by uh, training camp, supposedly. We've heard that before. Uh, PG seems to be just fine. Um, but you can say the same thing for the Clay Thompson trade. Like, look, Clay's had some catastrophic in- injuries. Clay isn't the same basketball player he was three years ago. And that's not Clay's fault. It's just that's what happens with father time and with injuries. Jonathan Kuminga, we all see the ceiling on this guy. We all see that he's he's got all the goods. And probably in three or four years, the guy's going to be a monster to deal with. But for us right now, we don't have three or four years. But I get what you're saying. We need to start planning for the future here. And I saw it happen with Blake. Saw it happen with CP. At at some point, the Clippers are done with this experiment. And they're going to move on. Now that's the that's the difference between when we're talking about these these Dame trades and these James Harden trades and shit like that. Like at least with CP, when you go to Houston, we get Trez and Lou Will and and uh, shoot, we got a couple more out of Trez, Lou Will. Who else we get from Houston? We got a couple more. Man, how am I forgetting this already? Sam Decker, Pat, Pat Bev, <laughs> Sam Decker. Like we got at least those are guys that started you know a culture shit. Sam Decker, yeah. Shout out to Sammy D. Um, so no, I'm not I'm not taking that. I'm not taking that at all. And um, I, I'm not going to, I'm, I, I'd be lying if I said I'm super like excited about this upcoming season. This is the make or break for us. Yeah. And th- these extensions are too. And these aren't spring chickens anymore. These are, these are two very good basketball players. Again, I'll say it again. When they play together, we win a lot of games. But the, the unfortunate thing is we don't play a lot together. These guys have both <laughs> had several injuries throughout their career and throughout the last four seasons. Yeah. But I think we're too deep in the hole with Clipper nation, with management to not see this through at least this season. I think we need to be smart about the extension though. Financially. Right. It'll be interesting to see what Kawhi and PG do this year, as far as their stats, their availability, how far the Clippers go as to whether or not they decide to opt into that $48 million. They both have the same contract. So there's a chance that you go from both these guys to none, uh, which is also scary, right? Obviously, very scary. I'll I'll put your feet to the fire here before you can scrape something else from the barrel. Uh, If you had to trade one, Mm -hmm. 
who would you trade? Damn. Who do you want to keep? Damn. Feet to fire, gun to head. <laughs> yeah. Feet to fire, gun to head, Drew. I gotta make the I gotta make the decision or or I'm getting shot. Yeah. God damn it, Drew. I love them both. I love them both <laughs> so much. They mean so much to me. God damn it. Gun to head. <laughs> gun to head. I'd have to trade. God damn it. I can't believe I'm saying it. I would have to trade Paul George. Okay. I'm sorry, P. I'm sorry, P. Podcast P. There it is. You're my God damn it. I hope this doesn't get back to him. It's going to get back to him. I already know it. <laughs> it's Kawhi, man. It's fucking Kawhi Leonard. It's Kawhi Leonard. Okay. I'm, can I scrape now? Yeah. You're up. All right. I'm up. <clears throat> I'm going to scrape. Jimmy Buckets. If this guy is not Michael Jordan's son, conspiracy clips over here, <laughs> I don't know what is. Uh, Jimmy Buckets. Another, he was another 23 guy. He wore number 23 in Marquette. Another 23. Well, that's his dad's number, so it's, it's perfectly fine. That's Jimmy Butler can, it, it, yeah. can rock that. So Jimmy Buckets has his uh, has his camp coming up this week. We posted it on our page. I think his camp to go to something like 350 or whatnot, but Jimmy's out here charging anybody. <laughs> you don't even have to be in the camp. Anybody that wants to come play him once is $700. Now, everybody thinks, oh, man, what is this, a game to 13? Nah, bro, it's a game to two. It's one-on-one. -on -one it's, it's a game to two? To two. Oh, boy. First to two. What do you get if you win? I uh, I don't know, a gift certificate to Big Face Coffee? Do you get your, I, do you get your money back at do least? Do you get your bread back? <laughs> do, can you give me half back? Can my give me, cousin give me the go money to back camp? if I beat you. Can my cousin go to your camp for free next year? Like, what's the deal here? <laughs> this... This is something so Jimmy Bucket-ish that I love it, right? And I and I hope some players go out there and get ones from him. And also in this camp, you can also pay to play Andre Drummond one-on-one. -on -one. It's not $700, something like, like $300. And you can also play Anthony Simons if you want to play. And he's like $400 or something like that. This is all the same camp? This is at the camp. This is what I've heard. This is what I read. This is, this is what's going on. So... While that might be fun, first of all, Jimmy, the guys are playing, paying, the kids are paying, or the parents are paying three fifty to go to your camp. Play one on one with the kids. All right, just play one on one with the kids. Yeah, so, the kids, the kids, especially the little ones. Like you better not be charging them seven hundred bucks. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. Now we can go back to the infamous Michael Jordan camps in Santa Barbara, right? Yep. Everybody wanted to go to those MJ camps. You got to learn from MJ. The superstars would show up. You definitely got your picture taken with him. And MJ would would charge. It was something like, my number might be wrong, bro, but I think it was like fifteen hundred or fifteen grand to play him. I think it was fifteen hundred to play him one on one. Do you think Michael Jordan ever lost at his camp to anybody? No. Well, here's your fun fact of the week. You can go back and look it up. There's YouTube clips. A man by the name of John Rogers beat Michael Jordan. I think he tried to I think he went to the camp three years in a row. I could be so wrong. Maybe my numbers are off. But there is footage of John Rogers playing Michael Jordan to three and John Rogers won. Do you know what uh what year roughly this would be? Uh, I mean, the footage was grainy. So I'm thinking early 90s. <laughs> and uh, from what I saw, John Rogers watches the video every day of his life. He's like a middle, like a fifty-year-old man now. Yeah. But you can you can watch the one-on-one. -on -one. 
Uh, he gets him with a little jab step. He gets him with a with a push off left handed layup. But he got Mike. So there is footage of Michael Jordan losing. Right. Well, and- a game to three is just a that's a that's a very easy game to lose. You know, just as it is an easy game to win. I would when I think of one on one, I don't think of a game to three. I think of a game to seven or 11, you know, something like that. And I don't think MJ would let anybody beat him if the game was to seven. I'm just surprised John Rogers is still alive and walking and there's footage of it. Because you would expect Michael Jordan as soon as that ends, like, all right, bro, this is complete uh, a zero dark 30. The, you never existed. This never happened. This footage will never get out. Well, yeah, uh, I think the, the other way to go about it is like he just goes, I'll give you a million dollars. You put that away. You burn that shit. We don't ever see the light of day. Like you just I'll, I'll, I'll NDA on it and I will give you a million dollars and you just it goes away. And that's or you just call goes. whoever got the Draymond footage to find it somewhere. John Rogers <laughs> just calls up the, the, the dude from Golden State. Hey, man, find this footage. Um, that, that leads me to, to a question for you, though. Out of those three, you got to play one of them one on one. Simons, Drummond or Buckets. Mm. Which which one are you? I mean, I think we both know. Drummond. Who gonna... Oh, it's Drummond, baby. <laughs> right. Are you kidding me? I can actually stay in front of that guy. He might he might just run right through me, but I can uh-huh. stay in front. Uh-huh. And uh, hopefully he's lazy enough when we're playing that he'll just shoot some threes or like try to show off and he'll shoot some threes and I'll be able mm-hmm. to do something. Uh, but Drummond is definitely the target, and yeah. I I I I would definitely take Simons before Butler. I mean, it goes in that order. Drummond, Simons, Butler is who I would play in that order. I think Jimmy would just be brutal. I just don't. Yeah. I feel like he. I feel like I would catch an elbow. Uh, you know, just a stray bow to the face. He'd hurt my feelings with just the shit talk. I already know that I'd be super sensitive. Oh, and he totally. Just, he'd ruin me before the we even check ball. Yeah, I feel like he would offer me like a Michelob Ultra. Isn't that the beer that he? That's that his beer. All, it's a, it's an alright beer. A lot of foam. A lot of foam in that beer. beer. You, you drink three or four of those in like five minutes. Well, mm-hmm. let's get let's call it fifteen minutes. Yeah, I I did that recently, and foam just like rose to the top of my mouth. I had to spit it out. It was crazy, um, but yeah, Jimmy, uh, seven hundred bucks is. A, I mean, you have a lot of money, sir, and you're charging a lot of money for your coffee already. Uh, this feels uh, a, a little bit, a little bit fucked up. If I'm being honest, the seven hundred bucks thing it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, uh, especially because just raise the price, just raise the price of the camp attendance. To to a little bit higher, and then play one on one once a day. Play everybody, with one kid. Yeah, or or you know, like have it be a raffle thing. Everyone gets a ticket. I call your number, and you're you get to play against me in one on one today. And that's at the end of the camp. Everyone can sit around and watch you dominate and dunk on eleven year olds. But don't get paid seven hundred bucks. The parents. This is the one thing I will say. I know that we we kind of brush this aside. The parents. Seven hundred, fine. Fuck it. Do you want to play Jimmy Butler and you're a grown man? It's seven hundred dollars, right? Right. Yeah, that that no, I have no issues about it all. Because if I drop my son off, <laughs> this would be hilarious. I mean, I and I wonder how many people may actually take advantage of this that are in, that are actual basketball players that try this against Jimmy. But if I drop my kid off and I hear that I can play Jimmy Butler for seven hundred bucks, I would double take. I would be like, ma maybe wait how much for simons how much for german like i I think i would do something like that but for the kids man come on please i don't think it's the kids i don't think jimmy's that much of a dick right like he wouldn't do that well no i just i don't think he would you know it's not like he's gonna shake down a 12 year old but he's gonna go all right you know when your dad gets here it's 700 and i need to venmo or check or whatever however we're gonna do you have zell okay like that's (laughs) fine 
uh, he wants to do it in Bitcoin, that's fine too. But you know, like I don't think he's going to shake down the twelve-year-old, but he's definitely going home with like a bill, an invoice. That twelve-year-old. <laughs> All right, scrape the barrel for me, Drew. <laughs> oh boy, uh, is there anything left? Um, got a couple. There, there is, yeah, there is, there is something left here. Um, Diana Taurasi, mm-hmm. switching it up to the basketball that's actually being played in the WNBA. Uh, is about to break the 10,000-point mark for the WNBA for her career, which is a you know a tremendous feat, 10,000 points. And considering how short the WNBA seasons are, people, you know, I think it's easy to look at LeBron and <laughs> Kareem and and Carl Malone and go 10,000. Like uh, I feel like J.R. Smith got 10,000 points. Yeah, well, maybe he did, but there's 82 games in an NBA regular season, and there's like 32 games in a WNBA regular season. So. Uh, big shout out to Diana Taurasi. And I think, she, I mean, I thought she retired. Like I know Sue Bird, Sue Bird retired last year. That was mm-hmm. a big deal. I thought Taurasi also retired last year. So it's just cool to see her doing her thing, man. She is so damn good. She's so uh, good. And I, when, when I saw the little clip put together on ESPN, the first thing that she brought up when they asked her what she thinks about this 10,000 points, she goes, the first thing I think about is, all of the games that I played overseas that are not counting <laughs> to this 10,000 point total and how many points I scored over there because they have regular side, like nine month mm-hmm. seasons, which is why a lot of the WNBA leaves to go play overseas because they have normal yeah. basketball season. Then they come and they get the paid. Season. Yeah. The off season for them is the WNBA right. season, which is so weird. Uh, and they, and they get paid very well, much, mm-hmm. much better anyway than over there overseas than they do in the United States. So it's just interesting that, um, it's an interesting, uh, thing that, that may happen for Diana at the end when she does retire and when she gets into the hall of fame is they, maybe they'll give her a cumulative, uh, point total, which should be the case because those points still count, right? If she's playing, it just happens to not be in the WNBA. Well, that happened with Ichiro. You know what I mean? When yeah, Ichiro yeah. came over, like that guy would be in the 5,000 hit club or whatever, or if he's not already, like whatever it is. Right. Ichiro played for, for seven, eight, nine years over there and accumulated a bunch of stats and hits and home runs and all that shit. So congrats to, to Rossi. And, you know, that is the thing that the fact that the WNBA players have to go over. Why was Brittany Griner in Russia to go make money? You know, the fact that they have right. to go overseas and play year round, um, it sucks. And they should get they should be getting paid accordingly. Now, you know, that's another podcast at some point. But <laughs> shout out to Diana. She followed me for a long time. I, I wonder if she still follows me. I don't I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and check. But that is a huge feat. Um, conspiracy clips. You ready? OK, cool. All right. This is um, this is a serious matter. and We haven't even talked about it on the show, but I want to shout out the homie Brett Melton, my guy. Um. Hooper, friend of mine, friend of the show, loves listening to the show. He brought something up that was really interesting. And we haven't talked about Bronny and the cardiac arrest. Oh, right. right. We buried the lead on that. I can't believe we didn't bring that up. Well, we didn't bring it up. Uh, I was the day I left for Denver. I mean, I'm in the yeah. hotel air- airport flying out of OC and uh, having my Bloody Mary and it pops up. I'm like, of course, the day that I'm leaving and we're not going to be recording for a few days. Yeah. This comes up. So. The brawny cardiac arrest. But what Brett showed me was that, do you know that this is the second player on USC's team that's had cardiac arrest this year? The second player. This year? This July 1st, USC freshman center Vince, I can't pronounce his name, Iwuchukuwu, 
revealed on Thursday that he suffered major heart failure and collapsed during an off-season team workout on July 1st. He was rushed to Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. Um, That happened. We Mm. didn't hear anything about him. No, it's true. These are two healthy, athletic, 18-year-old boys that are getting cardiac arrest. Mm. I got chills saying it because that's – I mean, I got chills when I heard – because, dude, the only thing I flash back to is all these things that happened with, like – uh, Hank Gathers, Len Bias, yeah. Reggie Lewis, all this shit happened. You know, they have heart failure, heart attack. You know, one day doctors say you're okay. And then three weeks, weeks later, you drop dead for the same reason. I'm not wishing that upon anybody. I hope that does not happen, but this has happened before. And the fact that two healthy kids have heart failure is extremely odd to me. Mm. I'm not going to bring up vaccinations. I'm not going to bring up any of that. I, you know, for all I, what we know about LeBron and that family is they spend a lot of money on their bodies. You're telling yeah. me that there wasn't some kind of thing that showed, oh my gosh, well, Bronny's got this regular heartbeat or something like that. Right. So I don't know. What's your take on that? When I bring up, did you even hear about this first kid from USC? No, no, this is actually you saying it's the first time I'm hearing that. And clearly you got to point the finger at the, at the coaching staff there. Like who's the strength and conditioning coach that's putting these kids through? What kind of workouts are you what doing? What are they doing? What mm-hmm. are they doing, man? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, we, I, I say that with like a, a wry smile. And then I realized like the severity of this, we're talking about two kids that are 18, 19 years old that could have very easily died. And that's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one, when you, especially look, it happens in sports, right? As you've mentioned over the years, we've had terrible uh cases of this happening but we've had uh cases where it doesn't always negatively impact the 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 player's future uh permanently in the sport that they're playing in like you know Shaq's kid uh who uh Sharif. was spo- Sharif was supposed to go to U of A and they found the heart problem mm-hmm. he had a heart transplant and he's in the G League right now and he play you know he ended up playing at UCLA and LSU and uh, I still think there's a path for him to be a pro player, and clearly he, he is one, um, and I think there's a chance he can make the NBA, but there's also a chance he can have a fruitful career elsewhere. Um, but look, the Bronny James news is is shocking. I mean, because not only the point that you mentioned, they they take care of themselves. They have they have everything dialed out, right? Like there's, I mean, unless 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 there is something that is is like wrong with his heart specifically that they that did go unnoticed which is possible like routine checkups can can miss certain things and you don't always i think especially as a young man i don't think you really delve into the nature of the heartbeat or its heart unless you feel something irregular unless the doctors hear something or the scan picks up something uh so it is irregular for this and i'm just i'm happy that that it seems like both of these individuals were taken care of quickly and you know revived quickly and that that seems to be the case for Bronny. it's very very scary though man and you know the thing that i thought of first once i once i heard that he was okay is like well shit man i wonder how much anxiety he's under right and i didn't know about this first kid and i thought you know maybe maybe the anxiety was something that caused a problem for him because you know god knows that he's feeling pressure right the the whole thing like do you think he is though he doesn't he doesn't seem like it well i think people we we don't we don't hang out with Bronny, so right. like in the public, you know, when he's out in public, I'm sure he looks normal and 
like he's not worried about it. But I, I'm just speaking on on behalf of what I understand the anxieties that I go through. That would cause me to go fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. The amount of pressure on every shot that I take, on every move that I make, and not just being also being Bronny James, period, but also playing basketball and trying to make the NBA and play with your dad. That's just a lot to deal with. Uh, and I don't want to like uh, blame his father. I'm not trying to blame LeBron James for this thing that happened to him. And God knows that I'm sure they're doing all the things to make sure it doesn't happen again. And I hope that truly is the case. Uh, but sometimes it can be anxiety that can cause this, or it can be, uh, you know, something non-physical potentially that is uh what what caused this issue but now you shedding the light on this other kid makes me really like hone in on like what are the workouts that we're doing here because clearly they're jeopardizing they're jeopardizing the athletes here it's ridiculous two young kids on the same team it's just it it could be super coincidence you know super random but it's scary when you really think about that you know it's scary from the history we've seen with basketball players when this happens it's just it's not a good thing so for sure I'm really hoping that uh, everybody's healthy and 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 ready to rock. Um, Drew, do you have anything in the barrel? Because I've got a few more scrapes if you if you need it. Well, you know, I'm just thinking. I'm thinking that we didn't touch on Jalen Brown. Did we bring, did we mention Jalen Brown? Yeah, let's do it. Well, this is not bottom of the barrel stuff. I mean, I, I feel like we should have done this at the top. But uh, well, you know, opportunity missed. But Bronny, uh, hope 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 he has a great recovery. Jalen Brown. These are the two things that we needed to discuss right at the top of this podcast. Jalen Brown signs the richest contract in history. Five years, $304 million, like $303.7 million. Going to get mm. paid upwards of $60 million for several mm. years. Congratulations, Jalen Brown. And uh, I know we're late. This is not breaking news, obviously. Everyone's aware mm. of this contract. And a lot of the jokes have been made. Uh, it's like, well, that's a lot to pay for your fourth best player and blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know, shout out to our uh, our guy Scott Hale, who said that's a lot of money to pay a guy who can't dribble with his left, mm. and all Preach of that, that is all of that is fair and true. Uh, and of course, now for at least a little while, maybe a, a, for one year, maybe two years, Jalen Brown will have the moniker of richest contract in NBA history, which does add a little bit of pressure. Going back to the thing that I was just talking about with Bronny. You know, uh, Jalen Brown's a smart guy. I think he's a great basketball player. Uh, I think he's going to, you know, I think he's earned this money. I don't think he's not deserving of this money. I think he's just in the spot, in the rotation, where the biggest contract available was the one that went to him. And next year, it'll be the one that goes to somebody else, whoever that is. And Luca's going to get more money even beyond that. And, you know, this uh, this is not surprising. I will say, though, for a guy like Jalen Brown, similar similar to how it was when Mike Conley signed his, uh, at the time, record-breaking NBA deal way back when for the Grizzlies, uh, it may add something to the criticism. You know, you get a little bit more magnified lens on your game in particular when you are the highest, quote-unquote, highest-paid player in the NBA, at least for that time being. And I'm curious to see how Jalen Brown will handle that. Uh, we know that recently, especially in the last couple of years, he has been scrutinized for his uh, deficiencies, uh, occasionally lapses on defense and cannot take care of the basketball, especially under pressure situations. But he is an elite scorer and an elite athlete in this NBA. And I do think he actually is quite a good defender and a decent rebounder for his size. I think he's deserving of the money. I think it's uh, any negative feedback 
just everyone needs to take a step back if you're looking at this in a in a, in a negative way and look at the fact that this is just circumstance. He yeah. happens to be eligible for the most amount of money and the most yeah. amount of money they can give him happens to be record breaking money mm-hmm. and they're going to give him to him because he is of that value and in 5 years he will be way down the list <laughs> of most you know of highest paid players. Uh just give it give it 3 years and he won't even be in the top 5 I don't think. Yeah, I think you're completely correct. When everybody, you know, wanted to talk to me at the wedding about it, I'm like, look, he made all NBA. He's played with the team five years. He's an all-star. And this is just what happens. Timing worked out perfectly for Jalen Brown. Is Jalen Brown a top 10 player in the NBA, Drew? Yes or no? No. No. Is he a top 15 player in the NBA? I, I think I have him in the top 20. Yeah. Arguably, he's a top 20 NBA player. Yeah. Um. And he does have his, you know, this the 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 dribbling stuff. And it, look, everything you said is correct. When this guy has a a, a four for twenty seven night, <laughs> that's what they're going to say. They're going to bash him. You're the bit. You're the richest man in the NBA and can't make a jump shot. Boston's not the easiest fan base either, right? And we knew like th- this contract took longer than we thought was going to take because you really have to think about when you're going to have fifty, sixty million dollars dedicated to one player how are you going to build your team we've talked about this the whole time we've had our podcast how you build a team like that around you know and you're gonna have to pay tatum tatum's on got his extension if i'm not mistaken um for however much money it is porzingis has taken up 36 million dollars a year like it's it's just a lot of bread and uh it couldn't have gone to a smarter better guy than than jalen brown like everything he said in the press conference about what he wants to do with his money I get that, man. Bring back Black Wall Street, invest, create. Like this guy's smart as shit, man. He's gonna he's gonna do a lot of good things with that money. Did he want to be in Boston? I'm not so sure, but 300 million dollars would keep me to play anywhere. Um, and the fans are just gonna have to accept that this is what it is. I'm making this amount of money. Yep. Uh, I think he's going to, you know, I don't I don't see Jalen Brown taking this this jump of being like, Oh, I'm going to have, I'm going to average 34, 35 points a game because I got this money. It doesn't work like that. That's not how it's going to go. So if anything, let's just, this just tap Jalen Brown on the shoulder and say, good, good fucking job, bro. Way to get that bread. You deserve it. Now, like you said, I mean, in five years, he'll probably be the seventh highest paid player in the NBA. Because once Luca and then, you know, Joker, Joker just had the biggest contract in history after Giannis had the biggest contract in history after Dame had the biggest one. Yep. And I remember it's back in the year. day. What, what's that? I said it's every year. It's, it's every, every year. Every year we're going to have a more. new guy that has the right. most money that got the biggest contract. It's just I remember be when every... Jawan Howard was the highest yeah. paid player in the NBA. And people were like, holy shit. Shout out to it the was like 90, It was like $98 million. <laughs> and then KG came back the year later and it was a 126. Yep. It's just all. Yeah. The thing is, is when is it going to stop? Like you look at Otani, right? And I I brought mm. up a lot of baseball references. Like if anybody's worth $600 million in sports, it's that probably that guy. Most likely it's that guy. And from the baseball people that I spoke with over the week, they're like, we don't, we don't look a 12 year deal. If the Dodgers can offer Otani 12 years, $700 million, that, like wow. that might actually happen. Right. Why wouldn't he take that? Messi's getting a billion dollar offer like it's good the money's just going to get be more and more and more so that was big news Drew and there will yeah. be a target on Jalen Brown's back more so not from the NBA players but it's going to be from the fans and the media that's what's going to happen definitely absolutely yeah the players I think understand that this is good for them too right if you're a player you're like fucking go get that go get that money sir 
You because don't, guess you what don't, looks a lot less? 30 million looks a lot less than 300, and that sounds good for me. You don't think Anthony Edwards looked at that deal and was like, oh, shit, wait a minute. I just got to play with this team for this many years and make an all-NBA and can continue making all-star? Sign me up. I'm ready to get that. I'm changing my number. I'm a whole right. new player now. What, what is Victor Wembanyama going to get for his extension in five years? Right. I can only imagine what that number right. is going to look like, and it's gonna, he's going to get all of it. And he's probably not going to be the best player on the planet when that happens. That's And that's okay. And that's okay. I think the NBA should come. Some of that money should trickle down to NBA podcasts, just to let you guys know. <laughs> it really should. It should be all. It should, we should be involved in that. That's just not fair. Um, all right. I got a couple more, Drew, that I want to get through. Okay, cool. I'm all tapped out. I got nothing You else. tapped out? All yeah. right. I got I got one more and then my final thought. All right? Yeah. Um, everybody's getting fired. ESPN is firing everybody. <laughs> all right? That's true. Jeff Van Gundy's gone. Now that it just came out that Mark Jackson's gone. They're promoting Doris Burke, which she deserves wholeheartedly. If anybody deserves a promotion, I love Doris Burke. She deserves to be there. This girl, this girl, excuse me, this woman knows basketball, highly educated. You can tell that she watches a lot of hoops. She's very eloquent in the words that she says. I think she'll be great. Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy were a great duo together. And uh, I think we all, um, we all appreciate them. Like I, I just always appreciated the fact that they've known each other for so many years and they have a really good chemistry. Drew, you and I, it's hard. Chemistry is the most important thing when you do anything like this. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, maybe it ran its course. Maybe the conspiracy theory about Adam Silver not liking uh, the fact that Jeff Van Gundy didn't hold his tongue when talking about the NBA and the way things go. Like maybe that was part of it to get rid of him. Maybe they just really see value in JJ Redick and, and Richard Jefferson and want to bring the new guys up. And JJ is, is, is definitely ready for this too. I think we're, we all want JJ. Is it I'd JJ rather see or is it doc? I heard, I heard doc well, no, doc's going to it's doc got doc will be Mark Jackson now, but I'm right. saying they're, they're bringing, they're firing everybody, bro. Everybody's yeah, getting yeah, fired yeah. to create space for the new faces of the of this thing that they're creating i know doc hasn't been on calls in a long time uh what's the chemistry going to be like with doc and doris and breen like it's going to be uh some adjusting right can can doc's voice handle doing all these no games? there's well, no way he's going to be scratchy throat doc by the fourth but if he's not screaming game. at the if he's not screaming at the players anymore maybe maybe this will this will well, be good for him that's the thing about doc though is it sounds like his voice is is gone when he's healthy wakes up in the morning and it's just like he just wakes up with no voice so i guarantee you he's going to have to he's going to have to at times get loud because the mm -hmm. crowd is loud and he's going to yell a little bit into the mic i swear mm -hmm. to god he's going to run out of voice we we had it on tnt he had he had hoarse voice on tnt for all those years right. that he was doing it back in the day i just i i, I think they're going to be missed and i really hope Definitely. that that um that TNT or somebody yeah. picks them up. They need to be calling games. I also thought well, it was hilarious. TNT has the Van Gundy pot. Like they have the, the Van Gundy game option. They can do Stan and Jeff Van Gundy alongside somebody. And, and that's that, what I will want. watch that. I will watch that's, that. We want the VG brothers to yeah. be on calls together. That would be awesome. The fact that uh super Christian, Mark Jackson got offered a million dollars to do play by play on cam soda to do some, some uh, <laughs> internet, hot videos some porn vids is hilarious there's no way mark jackson takes the bait on that but um i don't know they're cleaning house i thought that was interesting doris yep. deserves it 
Uh, I, I'm really interested to see. Uh, there's a lot going on there. I'm interested to see where Shannon Sharp ends up. I'm interested to see mm. what happens with JJ. Like, do not. If, like, if I hear Kendrick Perkins call a game for ESPN, I'm going to be livid because I would much rather <laughs> listen. That Please do not promote Kendrick to be doing NBA games. Can we agree that we do not want that? A hundred percent. He does. Okay. He, he he does. He shines in the studio anyway. He, they need his entertainment value for the studio. They don't. Need I agree it for the game. Uh, I let me push back though. I I one hundred percent agree with everything you've just said about Doris Burke. Other than I just don't like her commentating. I really? don't like it. I don't like it. It's not Ooh. for me. It's very generic. It's very down the middle. Who's being sexist right now? No, I actually, I, I, I fully agree that she deserves it. She's put in the work. I think she's good. I think other people enjoy her. She's just not my cup of tea. And I'm very sad to see uh, Van, Jeff Van Gundy, who was my favorite. I think most people's favorite NBA commentator that was not a play-by-play guy had to have been Jeff Van Gundy. He, the reason why we liked him so much is I think the reason he got fired. It seems like he was being a straight shooter. And and Adam Silver or somebody, I do for, firmly think they said uh, yeah, it's time. It's time to end the Jeff Van Gundy uh, berating of the officials, berating of the way that the game is played, and and constant questioning of the rules and the changing of the rules and all of that stuff. I do think it was exhaustive. Uh, I do think, unfortunately, that may mean we won't see Jeff Van Gundy on TNT this year. It may mean that he needs to take a breather. Uh, and that TNT will hold off on hiring him. But you can obviously see a path. TNT needs more broadcasters. TNT was trying to capture the broadcast atmosphere given by Mike Breen, <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy, and Mark Jackson. Now they have an opportunity to sign two of those guys. I don't see why they would wait unless it comes down directly from the NBA. We don't want Jeff Van Gundy calling games anymore. And then I don't know if they can legally do that. That's the problem where Jeff might have a good lawsuit on his hands. Who knows if he decides to do something like that. And I believe he actually got bought out of his contract. So I don't know if he'll be hurting for the funds. But I am bummed out more that I'm going to be missing out on the, on that those trio, that trio of guys, um, and, and less about the fact that it's now Doris and Doc. I think that they'll do fine. It's just Doris to me, as I've mentioned, just very generic. It's just very, just right down the middle. She never really gets super critical. Uh, she's always kind of patting everybody on the ass, like, oh, mm -hmm. the coach is so great, or this player is so mm -hmm. great. It's, you know, part of what we need from analysis is the critical side. Criticism. Yeah. And I think maybe the way that they'll do that is they'll they'll do good cop, bad cop with Doris and Doc, and Doc can play the bad guy. But I don't know if he'll want to do that either because he's trying to get another coaching job next year. Uh, so we'll see what this looks like. And it is a bummer, though, that this is now done and dusted. Yeah, I, I think Mark Jackson not having Joker on his MVP ballot didn't happen. Didn't didn't help him at at all. Either. I mean, that's a like, that is a, an atrocity. Inexcusable. Okay, when you watch all these games, it's inexcusable. So maybe the writing was on the wall after that. So yeah. uh, sad to see them go. And just saying, Doc and Doris just doesn't sound right you're right like that might not be like who's who's making these decisions right yeah. that doesn't sound right so i'm with you on that let's do a final thought drew we got to get out of here let's go all right final thought uh this this next weekend not this coming next couple days but this next weekend marks the start of the premier league that's right everyone i'm gonna bring up fucking soccer uh, my Liverpool team, I have to update everyone. I have to share my thoughts. Uh, 
because I do not currently have a Liverpool podcast. Uh, Liverpool got rid. It was a mass exodus, just very similar to what you were just talking about at ESPN. Liverpool got rid of like our entire midfield clips, and it's a it's a sad parting of the ways. We had Jordan Henderson, who uh, I think in 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 the parting of ways may be the Jeff Van Gundy uh, for the Liverpool fans. Uh, for this team, he was hilarious and uh, steady as a rock. Very good at what he does. Was our captain for many years. Is now gone. Uh, Fabinho gone. James Milner gone. Naby Keita gone. It, 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 Oxlade Chamberlain. It, there's so many guys left our midfield. We did replenish, of course. We've got Alexis McAllister who won a World Cup for Argentina. We got our guy Sabozlai, who came in from a, a <laughs> I think it was a German team, Leipzig. Anyway, we have some new exciting guys, uh, but it's a turning of the leaf clips. And and the the real reason I'm bringing this up, and I'm going to tie it into NBA here uh, like a fucking magician. Um, <laughs> but all of those players, almost almost all of the ones that I just mentioned, maybe one or two did not, but almost all of them left Liverpool. This is happening around European soccer. Players that are good are leaving, and they're flocking to that money in Saudi Arabia. The Saudi Arabian League is posting huge dollars and wages, huge transfer fees for all these stars in an effort to make their league appealing. They do have Cristiano Ronaldo, which was a big one. They got Karim Benzema from Real Madrid. Uh, soccer fans will know who that is. Uh, they have a huge long list of stars that they're paying absorbent fees to in order to make this league more competitive, more watchable, more marketable. The reason I'm bringing this up, Clippus, is because they're doing Saudi Arabia currently to soccer what they just did with golf in disrupting the sport entirely on a global scale disruption to where now Saudi Arabia is kind of the owner of professional golf. They they own it <laughs> professionally. If you want to play pro golf, most likely you're going to be in some sort of deal with the Saudi Arabian government at this point, which is crazy. But they're doing this slowly in soccer. Soccer has a lot more money, a lot more players. Uh, physical, actual players, and a lot more players financially and in, in, in organizations that they have to deal with. So the takeover has been uh, significantly longer, and the, the ramp up period is longer. But t- tell you know, heed my words here. They will be trying to take over this sport the way that they did golf. They're going to try and buy their way into every important league. They already kind of have in in small instances all across the world of soccer. But watch out for this happening in basketball clips this is the whole point this is like where i said i'm going to tie it like a magician here we go this is going to happen at one point or another with the sport of basketball now basketball is not nearly as popular as soccer or golf in saudi arabia yet as far as i think from a playing playing the game standpoint i do think they have a lot of fan bases there we've seen nba preseason games being hosted in the middle east i think last year Giannis and the Bucks went over there for a, a couple games, and I can't remember exactly where they were. I think it might have been Qatar or Qatar, uh, however they say it. Uh, but but this is my big worry here, Clips, is there we may have a period of time here, especially with expansion teams coming up, where the Saudi government has an opportunity to spend a shit ton of cash and overpay to get their seat at the table that starts the initial turning of the hands until maybe 10, 15 years down the road, we look up and it's like, oh shit, there's 15 Saudi Arabian guys that own 15 different NBA teams. Oh shit, they're going to split the schedule and we're actually going to play half the season in Saudi Arabia or in Paris. 
oh shit uh actually we don't have an nba anymore everyone's just leaving to go play overseas and they're all getting paid a billion dollars each and we just don't have a league anymore and now it's college basketball is the number one way to watch basketball in the, in the united states i'm extrapolating you know you are. The possibilities You're scaring are, our listeners bro you're scaring our listeners it's real uh it's a real possibility it's a, it's it's down the line a little bit but it is something i'm nervous about clips have you th- put any thought about this based on what you've seen going around in sports about this possibility becoming I mean I see that I definitely see that what's funny is like with the live stuff and the golf is it was so like line in the sand if you play over there like it, you're you're out of this PGA like where this is not <laughs> happening and then when everybody really looks at the at the look dude at the end of the day money is everything money talks and bullshit walks that's what happens and if you can outbid anybody you will you will win you will always win so I'm I'm pretty sure that the NBA, like it's funny I say it, is probably like small peanuts compared to what you're talking about with the soccer and with golf and the way it's going. But yeah, could I see that happening? Yes. Would it happen under David uh, David Stern's watch? Probably not. Adam Silver being the capitalist that he is and look always looking to expand and whatnot. I can see that happening. I mean, look when when Stephon Marbury was out at with was blackballed from the NBA, the Chinese came out and just said we'll pay you a grip of money to come over here and play right and he's a god over there there's statues so you know and and we're just seeing kemba in morocco right now like hooping over there they want our talent i can see that happening could, could there be a professional team in dubai of course who would want to play in dubai like everybody would want to in 10 years that city's going to be vegas on steroids i mean you can't drink or do anything over there but so it might not be that that fun but the money is legit um, I'm pretty sure Adam Silver will pro- probably try to shelter the NBA from going that route um, and try to keep it within the country. I'm pretty sure, sh- you know, we're going to see how all this stuff plays out with the soccer and with the PGA. What does that mean for the sport? What is it going to do for the sport? Is it going to benefit the sport or is it going to, you know, deteriorate the value of, of the sport? So I think what you're saying is important. And I think that potentially down the road it could be an issue and when you think about it money talks man and so yeah i can see that possibly happening but do do the saudis want to do that with the nba you know what i mean i think it's fun to think about and i'd love to hear what people have to think about that yeah i think they do i think they definitely want it to happen because uh when we think about american sports only a handful of them are global baseball not very global but somewhat right you, it, very good in, uh, you know central south america and you got parts of asia that love it but it's not a global game Mm-mm. because cricket exists it's america's game yes mm-hmm. but it has been adopted in a fair few international countries cool nfl that is only America, baby. Canada's got something going on. We tried to implant some stuff in Europe that always fails every time we try that shit because mm-hmm. rugby exists. There is no equivalent to basketball that already exists in the world, and it is an exciting fucking sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the reason we love it so much. I mean, you, you it's some of the best athletes running up and down at full speed, jumping, hitting shots, doing crazy things, uh, and there is nothing to compete with it with the way that those other two American sports have direct competition from international sports. But uh, I, so I do think, I think also the global game, it's uh, the, 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 the growth of the game globally has to have gotten their attention to the point where now we have of the top 10 players in the NBA, probably five of them are international. 
And it's no longer just some American top-heavy sport where we're beating teams left and right. When we go to these FIBA World Cups, so we just beat everybody by 50. Mm. Then that shit don't happen no more. Canada mm. might fucking win this thing. Canada they might, might win the, the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and that was a far cry from ever happening. And they were our neighbors by border. And they could barely pl- field a team that made any sense. Uh, so the game obviously is growing at a rate behind soccer. Soccer's the world, the mm. global sport. But I would say, Clips, if if not soon, if not already, rather, soon, and basketball is number two. I don't see another global. How many Saudi out. Arabian kids grow up playing basketball, though? I would. I no, think that's the point. Very, that's very the point long. that I'm making. That's the mm. point that I'm making is that the reason that they went to soccer and to golf first is those mm. sports are more accessible. Right. And more widely valued by the, the people there uh, and viewed by the people there. Yeah. And. You know, golf courses, they generate money, you know, and in, and in places with expansive land, like you can build great golf courses for people to golf. Uh, basketball gyms don't really generate too much money. You know what I'm saying? Again, it's coming down to money. I think what you're saying is very valuable and we should keep our eye on that. Let's see when these teams come up for sale, what kind of money uh, is coming in to purchase them. So right. let's keep our eye on that. We got to get out of here. I want to do my quick final thought. Okay, go ahead. My final thought is this. Dr. J is a hater. Dr. J, I'm saying it out loud, is a hater. The reason I'm saying that is 73-year-old Dr. J gave his top 10 list of all time. And I'm actually going to quote him. Okay, Drew's laughing right now. But um, look, I know people have different opinions, but there's just some things that need to be said. So Dr. J... Quote, I have five guys who are untouchable. Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Oscar Robertson, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor. That's my all-time best team. Everybody else has to be on the second second team or third team. I made this decision when I was 15 years old. I'm sticking with it <laughs> now all these years. There is no order. I think West and Robertson could be in the backcourt. Elgin, Elgin could be in the front court with Wilt and Bill. The next group of guys would be Kareem, Michael Jordan, Irvin, obviously Magic, and then, quote, Probably Carl Malone. Irving admitted that he and his son debate on this list and struggle to name his 10th and final player. I always argue with my son where Tim Duncan belongs, and he's like, he belongs ahead of Carl Malone for sure. I'm taking Carl Malone, Irving explained. <laughs> and that last position, I like, quote, tiny Archibald. So, look, I understand you having your own list. I understand if you don't think Michael Jordan's the goat, you don't have you don't have uh LeBron in your top 2 or 3, you don't got Kobe in your 5. But the fact that you don't have LeBron James in your top 10 for greatest basketball player to ever play basketball. I don't care if you love LeBron or hate LeBron. The fact that you don't even put him on your list and you're going to put somebody like Tiny Archibald, great. Love Tiny. That's awesome. No way is he a top 10 player of all time. Get the f out of here. There is no way you don't get you. You're going to take Tiny Archibald over Steph Curry or Tim Duncan. You're going to put Carl Malone, who ain't never won a chip in his life. That is just animosity, Drew. And the fact that the old heads just think, look, man, you can talk to my dad, my 78 year old father, and you ask him who's the greatest football player of all time, he will fucking pound it in your chest. Dick Butkus and Johnny Unitas, like pops. Unitas. Where have you been your whole? Where have you been the past 15 <laughs> years watching football? 
Okay. You can, you can hate LeBron James as much as you want. If he's not in your top five, if Kobe is not in your top 10, if Shaq is not in your top 10, man, we have some real, real big conversations to be had. So to me, that's just an old head, not given that like, why wouldn't you give LeBron his props, man? And we get it, Dr. J. You're the reason there is a Michael Jordan. You're a reason there is a, a Magic Johnson. You're a region, reason there is a Larry Bird and all this shit. But look, dude, that list is trash. <laughs> Absolute trash. What do you got to think about that, Drew? Uh, I don't know what we're expecting out of Dr. J, 73-year-old man. I, I mean, I think it's fair to expect that LeBron James and Steph Curry be on this list, especially over Nate Archibald. But this is not shocking material. You just said it yourself. Your dad, like all of us, glean on, they grab on to what they witnessed as the greatest thing that ever happened. And they always look down on what has happened after their youth is, is expired. This is not abnormal. Uh, and it is why, why does it, why, I, I think the funny thing to me is like, why is everyone surprised at this? I am not surprised that a 73 year old man listed this 10 as his favorite all time list of, of players. And like you said, to start, everyone's got their list, man. You asked him, who's his top 10. He answered. I'm glad he answered. And, and I'm, I'm glad we have something to talk about on this podcast for the last couple of minutes, but of course, it's not the same list that you and I would have. Of course not. Of course, it's no. Wrong. But there's there's things that need. If you have a top ten list, Drew, Doctor J isn't senile. He's around the NBA. <laughs> he's here. He's he's been he's been around. It's not like he's been absent. There's there's just something to be said for keeping guys like that off of the list. And why is Carl Malone on your list and not LeBron James? Why? Yeah, I need I need context. And maybe this is just me being. Look, dude, we can argue all day long about your number one, about your goat, right? This is like asking like my dad not having Tom Brady on his top 10 list. <laughs> like, are I'm you <laughs> are you I'm fine with you saying look, Johnny Unitas and Dick Buttkiss were phenomenal. Yeah. They were the best players I've ever seen. But if you don't have Tom Brady on that list <laughs> at all, then we have some serious issues. That's where I'm at on this. Yeah, it, is... it, well, so I'll I'll take it a step further. It feels okay. like based on that, that Dr. J has an issue with LeBron or does not right. like LeBron. And now I'm curious about the relationship or lack thereof that they have. If if anything is newsworthy out of this, it's like, what happened between these two guys where Dr. Dre, Dr. Dr. Dre, Dr. J uh, feels the need to leave LeBron off a list that he so clearly belongs on? Uh, so that to me is the, is the more intriguing part. And I would love to get some insight into why, why doctor. I mean, so, and, and you say he's not seen out well, maybe, but you know, dementia comes at different stages, different ages. And, and you know, maybe he, maybe he didn't remember the last 20 years of basketball and is just going like, I think a tiny archball was pretty good. I'll throw him in there. <laughs> oh I liked him. I like that guy. Look, the one thing we got to give Dr. J credit for is I know for a fact Kobe, Mike, and MJ would both have them on the list, right? Dr. J didn't put himself on the list, which is which oh. is impressive, right? So we'll give him that. And look, man, I'm sorry I got to split this up because I didn't even mention the wedding. I have to bring this up really fast. Um, I was in Denver, guys, in Denver. And your boy Clips, I was 8,300 feet in the air altitude. And we, Drew and I always made fun of like in every Denver Nuggets broadcast, everybody always brings up that altitude. Like it's some big freaking deal. Let me tell y'all, it is a big deal. Okay. <laughs> when you're coming from zero to 8,300 square, uh, 8,300 feet in the air, we were up at Estes park. We were by the Stanley hotel where, uh, where Stephen King wrote the shining. It's what the whole thing was about. 
your boy had to buy oxygen bottles. I su- I was sucking down <laughs> oxygen bottles, bro. I got up in the middle of the night to get a glass of water. I was parched. I got up in the middle of the night. I got to the couch and I had to sit down and take a nap until I made it to the kitchen for the second leg of my trek through the living room. That's how bad this shit was. Okay. Huffing and puffing. I was even talking about it on my speech about my sister during the wedding. I had to give a speech. I'm like, I don't know how y'all even walk up here. This shit is insane. Right. (laughs) And all I kept thinking about was like, look, no shit. The Denver Nuggets won the championship. If you can play in this altitude, you you already have an advantage against anybody that comes in place here. It's a real thing. Your boy, oh, I collapsed three times. <laughs> I'm so surprised I even made it through the wedding. Your boy didn't <laughs> dance. I couldn't even dance. I didn't want to risk passing out on the dance floor. <laughs> so Denver is no joke, man. Altitude's a real thing. I'm never making fun of it again, Drew. Denver Nuggets should win the next 10 years in a row. Well, you bring up a very valid point. I'm first and foremost, I'm glad you made it out unscathed. And I'm glad, I'm glad you're also back down to sea level. You get those man. lungs expanded a little bit mm-hmm. more. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm with you. I'm with you on this. Uh, my dad played college basketball and he mentioned uh, there was two games that he played at pretty high levels. One was Boise State uh, in Idaho. And there was another one I, that I'm I'm sure he'll remind me of uh, as soon as he hears that I can't remember it. Uh, but he mentioned that, you know, initially you, you're feeling okay. And this is in college for him and he was in great shape and uh, feeling okay. And then all of a sudden he was like, I was so winded after doing the first thing that I'm, that I'm normally good at that. I, you know, just running up and down a couple of times just to get warmed up, winded, had to go out, had to sit down, had to, had some of his worst games in the elevation just because the physical, uh, uh, wearing down of the body due to the due to that uh, that altitude. It's a real fucking thing, clips. And so and so, I'm going to take this one step further because the Denver Nuggets this year did not lose a home game until the finals. They almost went completely undefeated in, yeah. in the playoffs at home. And I think had they done that, this may have brought up a spotlight to this particular issue. But it mostly went under the rug. We always hear about oh the altitude oh the altitude like you said and but but because we hear about all the time we just kind of okay i guess this is what this is there seems to be a serious competitive advantage to playing in denver for the team that lives in fucking denver uh to the point where i think if denver is going to be in the finals again next year which they have all of the possibility of doing they probably won't do this but there should be at least some sort of exploration about a neutral site uh and and having it done in las vegas uh having it done that's in, not fair in some other place but having all seven games done that way so it gives equal opportunity to both sets of fans to attend the games no i agree with you i don't think a neutral sh- site should be a thing but maybe there should be like two or three days off before you play those next games uh somebody else had mentioned that about, you know, it's not Denver's fault that they're in Denver. Actually, it is Denver's fault that they're in Denver, but it is what it is. All I'm saying, it's a real thing. I wouldn't be able, I've been playing basketball my whole life. If I I couldn't even walk up there, let alone play a basketball game. So (laughs) it's a real thing. I'm never going to make fun of Denver altitude again. And one last thing, shout out to our boy, Chene Denver Nuggets, huge fan. He works at the restaurant in 
the Denver airport. And that guy had a Denver Nuggets championship shirt ready for me. He hooked it up. He was at nice. the game. I got a Denver Nuggets shirt. I was going to wear it out of the house the other day. And I felt completely like I was cheating on my wife. There's no way I can walk outside in a Denver Nuggets shirt, but it's in my archives. I love it. I appreciate it. Shout out to Chanae. We got to get out of here, Drew. It's time to go. We got the Jake Paul documentary on Netflix that I'm going to watch tonight. Heard it was really good. But we're going to be back shortly. Episode 288. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. And we're ghost. You know what it is. You know what it is. You know where you're at. This is the follow-through with Clips and Drew. What up, podcast world? What up? What up, podcast world? You know what it is. You know where you're at. This is the